What is a right? You know, there's really not much talk about rights until the Enlightenment. It's not really even a way of thinking. How do these things work? Do we inherit them from our parents? Right? Do we inherit them from our gods or from our textbooks or something? Where did they come from? Where do they reside? I mean, shouldn't rights just be obvious if we all have them? Hello and welcome to Why Are We Talking About Rabbits? That's this podcast that's aimed at folks who feel the deep sense of dislocation. On this pod, we're going to talk about heavy things lightly. We'll use theology, history, philosophy, and years of deeply immersive experiences in foreign cultures to figure out what is happening. Our pod goes beyond rhetorical rabbits, those quickly reproduced media memes, and into cultural phenomena from a old world and a new world perspective. I'm going to look a little deeper. Join me, John Hears, as we ask and wonder aloud, why, why are we talking about rabbits? This is episode 11. This is What's a Human Right? Anyway. What's a human right? Huh. Maybe we should start with the obvious, right? What's a human? Mm-hmm. I'm so smart. What's a human? Yikes. As many of you have already guessed, uh, this question gets really messy. But why? Why does it get messy? Well, we'll get into some definitions and then you'll see. But in some ways, maybe it shouldn't. In some ways, maybe that's why we're talking about it. So let's do this. Let's throw a couple of definitions around for a minute, and then let's get back to uh, maybe why this is messy. And then before you know it, if we do things right, let's get back to the question of what a human right is. Okay, we'll get there. So some definitions. Uh, let's start from the Isle of Man in the sea between England and Ireland. Want to? Sometime around the 7th century. Let's go back 1,400 years to the Isle of Man. That's an actual place today you can go. Here's how they may have defined a human being. Human beings are the survivors of the events of Ragnarok. That's the great war between the gods of the Norse. You see, the two survivors of those crazy god wars were Lif and Lifrasir, man and woman. And they seem to have given birth to humans. And it is the goal of these humans to appease and stay in alignment with the victorious gods of the Ragnarok. That's the great war. So human beings here are survivors and they're in the business of appeasement. Hmm. Let's go to Nicaea. That's a town in modern day Turkey, the years 323 or so. So it's about 1700 years ago. Okay. They might have said something. These people there might have said a human being is by grace what God is or Christ is by nature. A human being is by grace what Christ is by nature. Hmm. So something to do with logos, the word of God. A human being is the word, the spirit of truth, the image of the creator. Something like God became man so man can become like God. Hmm. Okay, how about Northern India, say about 900 BC? Or 
BCE, if you like that. Maybe that's a pod, that whole abbreviation on the millennial, the millennium. But let's do this. 900 BC or about 3,000 years ago. Humans. Human beings are consciousness or Atman or soul. This Atman is the inner life while Brahma is the outer reality. The creator, Brahma is the creator bursting forth in the form of creation. So the goal of a human being is to unite Atman and Brahma, inner and outer. You find that in northern India about 3,000 years ago. How about the Arabian Peninsula? Let's go there. Let's go back to the, say, the late 600s, about 1,300 years ago. You might have heard something. Human beings are uniquely endowed creatures, beings with spirit of God indwelling, rational creations able to perfect themselves because they have divine qualities. And let's go 2,500 years into the past. Want to? This is from the Chinese mainland around 550 BC. You might have heard this about humans. Humans are believed to be the children of the Tao. To live fully, humans should try and live as the mediator between heaven and earth. The goal of a human being is to radiate purity, innocence, and simplicity, which is like the Tao. Oh, but we're not done. Here's one more. Let's go back to the Enlightenment. About 350 years ago, this comes from John Locke, a political philosopher, a very, very light person. And on this show, you know that a light person is someone who thinks and lives and breathes the Enlightenment. Probably all of us on this pod, right? That very unique time period where rational thought and rationalism became very important. Well, here's John Locke saying something like this. Human beings are by nature free. That's our nature. We are not subjects, and we are not a subject to the king. He argued that people have natural rights, such as the right to life, liberty, and property, and that these rights are not bound by culture. They're universal, right? They're not subject to variations in culture. You don't lose them because you move somewhere. The point of life for Locke and other enlightened philosophers was to apply reason to perfect society so human beings could flourish in freedom. John Locke, about 350 years ago. And now here's one from like uh, eight minutes ago from biologyonline.com. Okay, it's a source. I googled it. Check it out. A human is a bipedal hominid characterized by having higher and more vertical foreheads compared with earlier hominids. The brain volume is about 1,400 cubic centimeters. The human teeth and jaw are smaller, and the chin is prominent. Humans are the hominids capable of creating and using complex tools, solving problems by using their reason. Oh, oh, there's reason. And there's biology.com, the bipedal hominid. Okay. Why are we doing this again? Can we go back? Oh, these were types of definitions of what a human is because we're trying to figure out what a human right is. India, Turkey, we went around the world. So what did you see? What did you find? There's lots of stuff going on here. I noticed a pattern and 
any half historian like myself can see the same pattern. And not just because you're on this pod. It's really easy in history. It's just a fact. The old human anthropologies always related humanity, your being, your ontology, your essence to something bigger, more divine, something more perfect than the human himself or herself. All the old world anthropologies put the human being in some sort of relationship with his or her maker. Today, in the enlightened cult of the West, not so much. That cult has defined human beings as being independent and free, which has come to include free from God, which, if you think about it, might be a pretty good thing if your God is, say, Zeus or Thor. I mean, those dudes, they come at you pretty hard, those gods. So... The enlightenment is freeing people, not just from God, but all from all types of things, even from nature. And so after perusing these definitions, let's head back to the meat of the pod. You want to? Let's do it. What is a human done? I, we're not done with that, but kind of done. What is a human right? Well, given all the anthropologies out there, which universal rights should a so-called universal human get? Should rights somehow be given in terms of happiness? Is that a way to dole them out? Is that a way to come to the conclusion that that's a right? Like, for instance, rights are things that will make the most people most happy. You want to go with that? Like, what's the principle we're going to put in play to decide what all human beings have in common? Is it happiness? Like, the right to surf the internet on a rainy Sunday. Is that sacrosanct? We must protect that right? Should rights somehow be aligned to the notion of order? Like, hey, we should all have the right to narc on our neighbor so they stop dumping their trash in the alley and stinking up the joint. Yeah. I have a right to narc on you and to snitch on you and get the cops all in your business because you're stinking up the joint. Should we arrange rights to help us arrange order should rights go hand in hand with purpose like for example if the purpose of a human being is to appease the gods norseman style then it seems like there should be a right to sacrifice no but would that only be for norsemen What about the people or the animals getting sacrificed? Yikes, did they have a right? If you go with the old Christian idea of human anthropology, it seems like we, well, I guess the only right in the old ancient Christian world would be the right to ask for forgiveness or something. Just like be repentance. What would the Muslim right be? The right to pray like five times a day? What is a right? You know, there's really not much talk about rights until the Enlightenment. It's not really even a way of thinking. How do these things work? Do we inherit them from our parents? Right? Do we inherit them from our gods or from our textbooks or something? Where did they come from? Where do they reside? I mean, shouldn't rights just be obvious if we all have them? Like, all of us sort of understand what a chair is because all of us have butts. You know, if you got to explain a chair to somebody, it's kind of weird. Shouldn't we all sort of get what a right is? 
because we're all human. I told you this was going to get messy. It's super messy. So, okay, let's try to keep going. If you're still listening, let's try and make it a little um, less messy, okay? Here's a list of rights that come from the United Nations and the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. It's written after World War II, 75 years ago, and it's enshrined uh, in the General Assembly Resolution 217A, 1948. This is some of the rights. I I could list 30. I'm not going to do that. I would, you would all be sleeping or not, but let me just do some, okay? Some of the 30 universal rights. Here's the first one. All human beings are born free and equal. Everyone has reason and conscience, okay? It's not really a right, but okay, that's you guys. That's me. That's everybody. Conscience and reason. I don't know where it comes from, but that's where it is. Two, everyone has the right to life, liberty, and security of person. No one should be held in slavery. No one should be subjected to torture or cruel and inhumane treatment. Here's one. Everyone is recognized equally before the law. Everyone has the right to own property. Everyone has the right to freedom of thought and religion. Everyone has the right to freedom of opinion. Everyone has the right to work. There's one. And everyone has the right to leisure. And there's 20 more. Go read them. It's really interesting. You can find a a link in the pod notes. But just using these 10, what do you notice? What are you seeing? The right to life and liberty, the right to equality before the law. You You hear the American Revolution in there. The Bill of Rights. Bill of Rights is in 17... Well, 1789, but in the 1770s, okay, the Bill of Rights is being formulated. This is the 1940s. Well, super connected. How about the United Nations document in terms of the right? Everyone has a freedom of expression. Again, Bill of Rights. But listen to this document, another important document. It actually comes to fruition in the same year as the American Bill of Rights, 1789. And these are from France. Article 1, men are born and remain free and equal in their rights. Born and remain free. Article 2, the goal of the state is to conserve the natural rights of man. Oh, what are those? These are the rights of liberty, property, safety, and resistance against oppression. Listen to that. The French are saying the same thing. The principle of freedom resides in the people, not in the leaders. That's voting. Liberty consists of doing anything which does not harm others. This document I just read to you is from the French Revolution, which happened about, it depends how you date our revolution, but our revolution is 1776 and onward. So you're talking, right, within 15, 20 years. They're saying the same things we're saying. It's all very interesting and very familiar, Right? Because we're talking about the freedom of speech, the freedom of the press, the freedom to peaceably assemble. We've seen a lot of that lately. Right? The freedom to keep and bear arms, the freedom to uh, be secure in your persons and not get arrested and not have a trial. This is our Bill of Rights. Rights. I could go on, but you get the point. But check out this document because it gets even crazier. 1936 in Russia. 
This is called Stalin's Constitution, 1936. From Stalin's Constitution, Article 123, all citizens enjoy the right of equality before the law. What? Article 125, citizens of the USSR are guaranteed the freedom of speech, freedom of press, freedom to assemble, freedom to protest and demonstrate. Uh, Really? Yeah, that's in there. The Soviet Constitution of 1936, also known as Stalin's Constitution, says citizens of the USSR have the right to leisure. Wait, the United Nations said that. The right to an education. Wait, that's Joseph Stalin's Constitution? Yeah, believe me, he read it. Yeah, nothing was going to be called Joseph Stalin's Constitution without him making sure he had his name on it and he understood it. Stalin's the guy who's pretty much Hitler's equal in all things evil. Yep, Joseph Stalin, a human rights guy. Now, we know he wasn't doing a lot of those things, but he's writing them as if it matters. So what is going on here? Well, I think what's going on is an attempt to make a sacred set of principles, all of them directed at the individual, all of them emanating from the individual, and all of them meant to protect you and I from, pick your choice, but often in our tradition from the government or often from other people. What you see in these documents is a type of new world religious text, a sacred canon of deistic and atheistic first principles. Deism, atheism. Deism is a belief in God, but it's like a faraway God. And atheism is a belief that there is no God. And these are the principles of these people. These principles are a way to make human beings aware of their essence, of their unique nature as humans. And it is a universal way all of us, a new way that includes all the old ways. You see, it includes the Christian way and the Hindu way and the Norse way because it includes something that in the end, the light people want to call universal. And this human right, universal being thing is not connected to the divine, not in the light people culture. It's us. These rights are us, our essence. They're in us. They're created by us. They're for us. They're for me. It's an internal for next loop. Yeah, I said for next loop. Do you guys remember that? It's one of the principles of computer programming way back in the old school. If you know what I'm talking about, you know the for next loop creates a recurring action. It's one that informs itself to go forward to the next until a set number of loops occurs. So the four next loop is a, is a program that allows, right, and informs the computer to go forward until a new number and a new loop occurs. Then at some point it cancels. The four next loop is what programmers use to avoid infinite loops that can cause all types of backfires and illogical glitches in the computing system. In short, the four next loop creates short-term meaning until it cannot create that meaning any longer. It avoids the infinite loop in order to create short 
long-term actionable results. The four next loop. That's what these self-referencing documents are. What we are witnessing in these universal documents is light people UFC cage match fighting the divine. They're fighting against the divine, trying to create meeting outside of the divine. We're witnessing new world thinkers separating themselves from the eternal and the infinite, defining our unique and otherworldly essences as, well, coming from ourselves, from within the four next loop. What we're seeing is the degradation of a flawed old world, a world where God was present in us, but it didn't seem to matter. It didn't seem to make the world any better. So light people began to transform it into a world where God was nearby, the deists, Locke and Jefferson and all those folks who thought there was a God, just not an important one. And then finally into a world where we are utterly our own, a bipedal hominid with about 1,400 cc's of brain space and good writing habits. Rational four next loopers whose last frontier is the eradication of the irrational. What these documents try and do is define what is most important about us, our rights, by defining it for ourselves. Period. In that way, a human right, the thing we hear so much about on all these news channels, is just a bookmark. In that way, a human right is a bookmark, a temporary way of saying, this is what is important to us today for now, uh, until I get back to my book and start turning new pages and creating new rights. Human rights make for actionable stuff and practical answers for next loop for now. But these rights, are they actually in alignment with reality? Are these rights actually really real? Are they actually universal? I don't think so. I actually don't think anyone thinks so. I don't think anyone reads the document and thinks this applies to all human beings for all times. Not even a little. I mean, not if you really think about it. Most of us know that these rights are just light people working hard to create a utilitarian solution to the vexing ontological and existential questions all of us have faced since the beginning of time. And I think we've reached an answer to today's pod question. Human rights are the words we've decided to write on a parchment paper. Holy script words that describe who we think we are. These are just sacred texts for a de-sacred world, a desacralized world, a non-God world. And maybe, just maybe, these new scrolls are better scrolls. I'm serious. They might be better scrolls. Maybe the new God, the self-love God, is a better God. Maybe. I mean, I guess it depends on who your God is. Is the new God of self better than the old God of the Norse? The God on the cross? Brahma? Well, I think that's the cool part of this pod. I mean, I think. Who is your God? That's interesting. We should talk about it as a culture. And why can't we? Should be something we can do. It's heavy, but we can do it. Lightly. 
I think we can. And guess what? We are. And let's keep doing it. On why are we talking about rabbits? This was about human rights. Jenny's Gagi Marjos to all of you. That means to you the victory. Often said at the KP table in Georgia. That's our pod today. Thanks for coming along. Tune in next week for sure because we're going to sit down with an incredible artist who has painted his way into a monastery and in his and in his priesthood has managed to reach incredible heights both as an artist and as a wonderful priest. He's an intense dude, okay? I can't wait for you to meet Father Silouan Justiniano next week. Tune in for that. We're going to talk about a lot of these old world issues. And we're going to do it on Watar. That's this podcast produced by Andrew Schwark and Daniel Paternos. Our pod is brought to you by the creators of First Things Foundation, a nonprofit that lives and works in some of the world's most impoverished places. We immerse there in order to create momentum for local change makers, folks we call We do this to help them and their vision for a better life. Share Wattar with a friend. Hit us up with a solid review on iTunes and everywhere you get your podcast. Your love for us allows us to love and serve others. Nakvam dis. Hasta luego, kambufo, and peace out.